Motor Trend presents the rubber-burning action of the all-new series Top Gear America. Dax Shepard, Rob Corddry, and motoring journalist and professional racer Jethro Bovington are pushing cars to their limit. So buckle up, because whether they're testing supercars or racing junkyard rescues, these hosts hold nothing back. On January 29th, join us for the joyride and stream the two-episode premiere of Top Gear America, available only on the Motor Trend app. Start your free trial today by going to motortrend.com slash TGA21. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist of the Hill in Washington, D.C., and a political commentator for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me or my political polling company, uh, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter. My handle is Brad Bannon. Our guest today, our first guest today is uh, Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, uh, who's here to talk about Joe Biden's national security policy uh, and people. And in the second half hour on our provocative progressive political panel, our guests will be Tara Devlin, the host of the podcast Tara Busta, and Mark Grimaldi, a, politi- a progressive political activist. Uh, But first, we have this clip from the new Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken. Vladimir Putin's toughest show of force yet. Thousands arrested across Russia for demanding the release of opposition leader Alexei Navalny from a Moscow jail. You have condemned this, and the Russians have responded saying that this is gross interference, uh, suggesting that we are behind it. The Russian government makes a big mistake if it believes that this is about us. It's not. It's about them. It's about the government. It's about the frustration uh, that the Russian people have with uh, corruption, with kleptocracy. Should the U.S. sanction the backers of Vladimir Putin as punishment for what has already happened to Navalny? Actually, we're reviewing a series of Russian actions that are deeply, deeply disturbing. Actions former President Trump never raised with Putin, but President Biden already has. Russian election interference, the solar winds hack, reported Russian bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. Vladimir Putin, most importantly, know that there is, that this is not just rhetoric from you and from President Biden. Andrew, the president could not have been clearer in his conversation with with President Putin. Our adversaries around the world are using the attack against the Capitol as a propaganda tool against us and against what American democracy really stands for. The attack on our own democracy uh, on January 6th, creates uh, an even greater challenge for us to be carrying the banner of democracy and freedom and human rights when we are challenged 
including when we challenge ourselves, uh, we're doing it in full daylight with full transparency. And with an unspoken reference to the way the State Department was hollowed out and demoralized during the Trump years, the new Secretary of State said that he wants a more diverse department, recruiting and retaining career diplomats, banning political influence, and having an independent inspector general to hold him accountable. Okay, that was the new Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, with NBC News's Andrea Mitchell. Our guest in this half hour is Colonel Cedric Layton, uh, U.S. Air Force retired. Uh, he is the founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. He founded his company after serving in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer and attaining the rank of colonel. Colonel Layton can also be seen regularly on CNN, where he's a military analyst. His Twitter handle is at Cedric Layton, that's C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, and his website is CedricLayton.com. Welcome back to Deadline DC, Colonel Layton. It's always glad, good to have you here. Well, I'm glad to be here, Brad. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the new Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, in a minute, who we just heard. Uh, but before that, uh, I wanted to raise an issue. There have been news uh, reports uh, that many of the riot rioters uh, three weeks ago at the uh, Capitol uh, were military veterans. And that, to me, is very disturbing. Why don't you talk about that, please? Sure, Brad. It's very disturbing to me as well. And, uh, you know, one of the big issues that you have here is uh, are these people, these military veterans, which may be as much as uh, as many as 20 percent of uh, the people that were at the Capitol, uh, that uh, you know, these veterans uh, had an obligation and continue to have an obligation to protect the Constitution of the United States. Uh, what uh, I think we've uh, we've been able to see here is a uh, an amazing disinformation campaign uh, that has uh, played upon their loyalty to the government and their perceived loyalty uh, to a single person, in this case, former President Trump, and used that uh, in order to actually uh, put them in a situation where they are, in, in essence, contravening the tenets of the Constitution. What they were going to do was interrupt a democratic process that was established constitutionally and by law and procedure within the United States Congress to validate the presidential election and to affirm the choice of the voters. The very fact that they did this uh, runs completely counter to everything uh, that they were supposed to uphold and that they swore to uphold uh, during their military service. Yeah, it's a really scary thought. It sounds like one of those movies. I remember a movie that was made in the 1960s, uh, Seven Days in May, where uh, Burt Lancaster plays an army general uh, who mounts a coup against uh, the United States. And uh, the idea that, you know, military elements, so many veterans are participating in what was as essence of coup uh, when they occupied and rioted Congress and killed a security guard uh, are it, it's very, very troubling. Oh, absolutely. And 
and uh, you know the the issue here is goes way beyond you know just their physical actions. Uh, this really speaks to a real problem within both the military and law enforcement circles uh, that a lot of the people who are recruited for both of these areas uh, do tend to be politically. Uh, Kind of right of center. A right of center is not a problem. It's if it goes to the, further to the right or further to the left, where you get so radicalized that you don't understand or don't want to uh, actually process the truth, that we really run into some really severe difficulties. And I think uh, these people will find themselves in uh, a lot of difficulty, both legally and, uh, and uh, frankly, uh, you know, in an economic sense as well, because uh, they can be called back to active duty. They could potentially be forced to stand trial under the Uniform Code of Military Justice if they are veterans, uh, depending on their category. Uh, so there, uh, there are some really significant issues here uh, that, uh, you know, the military and law enforcement have to address. Yeah, and there's also a report today that the uh, uh, Donald Trump's acting secretary of defense uh, prevented the national D.C. National Guard from being fully armed uh, the day of the uh, of the attack on the Capitol. And before that, there was an infamous episode of the of then President Trump uh, marching and holding a press available press hit in front of her church uh, while the D.C. National Guard was uh, suppressing uh, the uh, peaceful protesters there who were protesting against the president. Seems to me anywhere, anytime when you get where the military is being used for political purposes, that's very, very dangerous and a troubling uh, sign in a democracy. But, Absolutely. Uh, Okay, let's uh, go on to another topic. Uh, we have a new national security team uh, and a key member of the new Biden national security team is uh, Anthony Blinken. Uh, tell us what you know about uh, uh, Secretary Blinken. Well, Secretary Blinken has a long history with the State Department uh, and also with uh, serving in, in previous administrations. Uh, plus, he also has a long history in Congress. Uh, he worked uh, for now President Biden uh, when uh, President Biden was a senator on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, so uh, President Biden and uh, Tony Blinken know each other from way back. Uh, Blinken is a very uh, he's a very reasonable person, a very, in essence, a moderate uh, in terms of many foreign policy issues. Uh, but one of the things that has really made him into the person that he is, uh, is the experience that uh, is, his family had during the Holocaust. And uh, that experience, I think, will uh, serve the United States well. I think what you'll see is a... And we're going to continue this discussion, but unfortunately, we've got to go to break now. Uh, we get back from uh, this break. Uh, we'll have more of Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, to talk about national security. Welcome back to Headline DC with Brad Hammond. We're talking uh, 
Joe Biden uh, national security policy uh, in this segment. And our guest is uh, Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, uh, who served in uh, the intelligence branch of the United States Air Force before he retired. Uh, Colonel, uh, before uh, I ask Colonel Leighton another question, I just want to remind our radio audience uh, that if you're listening but want to watch the show without the breaks, uh, you can see us on uh, Periscope TV at uh, periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon, Facebook Live at tinyurl.com front slash BB Facebook Live, or YouTube at tinyurl.com front slash Brad on YouTube. Uh, you raised the subject of uh, Iran, Colonel Layton. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, as I'm sure all listeners know, uh, we were we had we were participating in a uh, an agreement with Iranians to monitor their nuclear activity. Uh, Donald Trump broke that off. Uh, will the uh, Biden administration try to find uh, either rejoin the old agreement with Iran or uh, try to find a new one or just leave the status quo intact? I think, uh, Brad, the status quo is not an option for the Biden administration uh, if uh, they uh, get to, you know, if they get into a position where they have to do anything with Iran, which is uh, almost 100% certainty, they're going to want to make sure that they can set the table in a in a way that's favorable to them. Uh, so what uh, the administration is going to do there, they want would have wanted to go back to the JCPOA, which is the name for the agreement uh, with Iran to uh, cap its nuclear activities. Uh, they would want to go back to that agreement. But uh, there's one big problem. There are several elements of that agreement that are actually close to running out right now. The, the calendar is basically uh, gone beyond uh, the time in which uh, that part of the agreement uh, would have been valid. Uh, so with the fact that uh, former President Trump pulled us out, pulled the United States out of that agreement, uh, the Biden administration is going to have to do a lot of work to, number one, bring the coalition of the Western powers back together again to deal with Iran. So that includes basically the European Union, uh, plus China, Russia, and uh, you know some other uh, countries that are interested in the region that are not necessarily officially part of that agreement, but are very, very interested, such as Israel. Uh, so Israel, of course, is opposed to any agreement with Iran, uh, but they have to be very, the Israelis have to be very careful with this because uh, the Iranians were actually following uh, the tenants of the Iran nuclear deal until the point at which the United States under Trump pulled out of that deal. Uh, so what the Biden administration is going to have to do is not only build that coalition again that they had, but they're also going to have to convince the Iranians to rejoin the talks and, uh, and really craft a new agreement. So in essence, we're uh, going to a point where we're bringing back the agreement in part, but we're also crafting new elements of the agreement. So it's a tall order for the Biden administration to do this. Uh, it's, uh, you know, they're, I think they're cautiously optimistic that they can do this, uh, but the Iranians are making noises that uh, uh, they may 
be such easy negotiating partners uh, as uh, some people thought they were the last time around, and they weren't really easy back then either. Uh, the other thing that's very important about Iran is that uh, Secretary Blinken just uh, mentioned that uh, the Iranians are within weeks of developing a nuclear weapon. Uh, so if that is correct, and if the intelligence that Secretary Blinken is basing that on is accurate, uh, then we're going to be in a very difficult situation very quickly, and the Iranians may not be interested in sitting at the negotiating table at this point. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. You know, that's one thing I never understood about Donald Trump's insistence from withdrawing from the agreement. Now, am I right? that since the United States pulled out of the agreement, uh, Iran has been, you know, basically been able to carry on its nuclear program without any kind of inspection or anything? Yeah, that's basically right, Brad. That makes no sense to me. You're right, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, the... What the Trump administration did was they basically took a bunch of bumper stickers and, uh, in essence, said, Iran deal bad. And uh, when they said Iran deal bad, that meant that everything related to it was bad. And then it almost forced them into a position which they probably liked anyways, uh, that they had to pull out of the deal. But what that ended up doing was it removed all the restraints that had been placed on the Iranians uh, and allowed them to resume their nuclear weapons development program. Uh, so instead of enriching uranium at uh, you know around 5% or less, uh, which does not get you to uh, the point of a nuclear weapon, they're enriching uranium at the level of 20%, which gets you much closer uh, in terms of uranium enrichment to being able to uh, actually build a workable nuclear bomb. Uh, that very fact uh, is really not only antithetical to United States interests, but it's also against Israel's interests, and not to even speak of the Arab Gulf states uh, that are on the other side of the Persian Gulf from the Iranians. Uh, so it was a very bad decision on the part of the Trump administration. I absolutely understand uh, that there were problems with the original JCPOA agreement. But uh, this was not the way to solve those problems. And uh, I think we're going to pay a pretty hefty price uh, for that short-sightedness. Okay, let's uh, move to the other side of the world. Uh, about two weeks ago, I believe, uh, there was uh, an overflight of uh, Chinese Air Force planes over Taiwan. Uh, is this just one of those things where uh, the Chinese wanted to uh, test the uh, new president and see how he reacted, or is there more to it than that? Well, they definitely wanted to test President Biden. And, uh, you know, if you go back a little bit in uh, time about uh, what, uh, you know, a little over 20 some years ago now, uh, 1997, 1996, actually, um, the uh, Chinese uh, made noises against uh, Taiwan and came pretty close uh, to actually mounting an invasion of uh, the country of Taiwan, which they think is, of course, part of part of, of China, greater China. Uh, and uh, the one thing that kept the Chinese, uh, the People's Republic of China, from invading Taiwan was the presence of the U.S. 7th Fleet 
under the Clinton administration. The Seventh Fleet went into the Taiwan Strait and uh, made sure that the, the Chinese weren't going to do that. Um, the Biden administration could find themselves in a similar position uh, very quickly. So, uh, yes, the Chinese, uh, the People's Republic, uh, were trying very hard uh, to uh, test the Biden administration, test the resolve, as well as, in more technical terms, test the air defenses of the Taiwanese. Uh, but what will also happen here in this particular case is that the uh, People's Republic is actually testing out its military doctrine, and uh, they have called for an invasion of Taiwan. Colonel uh, Layton, uh, thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, sadly, that's the end of the segment, but we'll be back with more of Inline DC with Brad Bannon right after these messages. we usually use for our provocative progressive political panel, which we'll get to uh, in a couple of minutes. Uh, but before that, uh, many Americans hope the beginning of Joe Biden's presidency means that our long national nightmare is over, if only. Uh, but he inherits a nation in distress and a democracy in danger. The responses in a new ABC News poll dramatically demonstrate the level of discord and division that afflict our land. The good news is that a majority of Americans support President Biden's executive orders to reverse the former presidents, who will not name, uh, anti-immigration actions. The poll indicates that most Americans support the new president's orders to reverse odious Trump actions, such as the Muslim travel ban, the construction of the Mexican border wall, and the effort to destroy the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, program. The bad news is that there are at least three or four, that at least three out of every four Republicans oppose each of these Biden offers, orders. There are millions of disgruntled and frustrated Trump supporters still out there to fan the fires of intolerance. But at least, hate no longer has a home at the White House. You can read the rest of this column and my take on presidential politics and policy in The Hill every Tuesday. Just Google muckrack.com front slash Brad Bannon. On the air. History, faith, and reason. Show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting and lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. No progress, only exhausting outrage. No nation only a state of chaos. This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And unity is the path forward. And we must meet this moment as the United States of America. That, of course, was the new President Joe Biden talking about unity. Uh, now it's time for the provocative progressive political panel. Our guest on the panel today is Tara Devlin. 
Tara is a New York City-based comedian and host of the unapologetically liberal podcast, Tara Buster. Tara Buster is 100% listener-supported and five-star-reviewed. You can help keep independent liberal media alive and free from corporate influence by coming, becoming a patron of Tara Buster at patreon.com front slash Tara Devlin. That's uh, P-A-Y-T-R. Oh, no, I'm doing that wrong. At uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N uh, dot okay. com <laughs> front slash Tara Devlin. Uh, you can also follow Tara on Twitter at Real Tara Devlin and on Instagram at Tara Dactyl. And that's T-A-R-A-D-A-C-K-T-Y. Joining Tara on the panel is progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Mark has worked for several Dem Democratic presidential candidates, uh, including Joe Biden. He is also active in the areas of campaign finance reform uh, and efforts to promote cancer research. Uh, welcome, panel. Let's start with uh, you, Tara. We played that clip about yeah. uh, Joe Biden uh, calling for unity. Uh, is he barking up the wrong tree? I guess I'm, I'm saying, you know, he, he talks a lot about unity and sure. I, you know, I think it's important to have unity, but is it possible in this, uh, era where we just had a bunch of idiots, um, overrun the Capitol, exactly. you know, and, and just, you know, give, this yesterday they were having a COVID vaccination, uh, in Los Angeles at Dodger stadium. Uh, and they had to close it down because you had protesters yes. uh, who I guess were protesting against vaccination or, you know, in favor of COVID. Right. God knows what. Um, it, you yeah. know, I'd like to have unity, but it, it, is Joe Biden barking up the wrong tree? Yeah, he listen, we're not going to there's no way we can unify with Nazis, white supremacists, morons, COVID idiots. And the traitors to this country. And make no mistake, do not mince words. What they did on January 6th, that was the definition of treason. Taking up arms to overthrow a legally elected government. And he's still at it. And so are the Republicans, the rest of the Republican Party. They're still backing their con man. So uh, the thing that... Um, if you've listened to Jen Psaki's news uh, conferences, which they're having every day now, and it's, I mean, I have mixed feelings about the news conference because sort of like, well, what's the point? But it's also good that they're opening up to the press. Uh, and, but the thing that heartened me when she, they asked her about unity, they keep asking her, no matter what, whenever Joe Biden does something, they're like, well, what about the unity he talks about? So we're all supposed to unify around the Republican agenda and let, or they're going to cry that he's not unifying. And Jen Psaki said, well, I think, don't you think that the American people, all, every American wants unemployment insurance. Every American wants to beat this virus. And that made me feel a little hopeful about Joe Biden because he's not really paying. Not, not every American wants a tax break for the 1%. You know, we've done that. And we need to really address the problems. I hope, I'm hoping that Joe Biden 
kind of channels FDR. And yeah, he talks, he has to talk about unity, but there is no unifying with these people. There is, there's only, there has to be justice first for them. There really does. And reality. Okay, Mark, uh, let me ask you uh, the question this way about unity. I mean, I, I, you know, I think a nation has to be united. Right. I just don't know if it's possible right. uh, for it to there be united. Uh, but uh, it seems to me, following the early press uh, notices on the uh, short, uh, brief Biden presidency, the motif that seems to be shaping up from press coverage is that Joe Biden is talking about unity. Uh, but if you look at his executive uh, orders uh, on the environment, uh, on things like uh, immigration, uh, he's uh, actually, while he talks about unity, he's taking a very progressive tack. Uh, what do you think of that, Mark? I would agree with, with I think, what both of you had said. Um, one interesting thing, you know, I'll come back to with, with FDR that Tara brought up. Um, but in direct response to what you had just said, Brad, is I think you also have to think about the audience. You know, if you, the, the audience is specifically, uh, you know, congressional Republicans, then no, I think it's going to be very hard to get um, a majority of them to come along because those who were even Maybe moderate to get any of them to come along much well less, most those who were considered moderate a lot of them left when trump was president because he you know threatened to primary them drove them out of the party and some of them became democrats some of them just left congress entirely or basically just have you know stayed out of the the, the way um some did speak up you know in the the time leading up to the election but for Republicans who are um, the voters, you know, the American people, I think there is an opportunity to bring some along. We've seen um, thousands of Republicans uh, change their registration in key swing states uh, mm -hmm. since the January 6th insurrection. Now, there's still a massive majority who have not, don't get me wrong, but I think that that says something. There is an opportunity to bring some people along and a majority of people, as Tara brought up, support the policies that that President Biden is pushing for and is advocating for. So I think when you unify around those those actions, you're unifying the country and the American people versus unifying Congress, which I think is an entirely different thing when you see what the other side of Congress which I know we're going to get to those of the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene um, right. or those who support her and make excuses for her. No, that you're not going to bring someone like that along, nor should you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks to me looking at the polling that you have a situation right now where just about every Democrat nationally is behind Joe Biden. Uh, a clear majority of independents are behind Joe Biden. Uh, and maybe on a good day, you have a quarter of the Republicans uh, supporting Joe Biden in general. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, unity in terms of, you know, bringing the de uh, Democrats and independents agree on many of the early actions of the Biden administration, its progressive orders. Uh, so I guess there's some degree of unity, but the Republicans are hopeless. OK, we're going to break now when you get back from break. 
uh, Will of More of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon and our provocative progressive political panel. Hey, Brad, you're clear. Okay. Welcome back to Deadline DC. Brad Bannon, uh, our guest in this half hour on the provocative progressive political panel are Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster, uh, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, by the way, for our radio listeners, uh, if you want to watch the show without the breaks, uh, you can see us on Periscope.tv, uh, Periscope TV at periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can watch us on Facebook Live at tinyurl.com front slash BB Facebook Live and on YouTube at tinyurl.com front slash Brad on YouTube. Uh, Let's get back to uh, our panel. Uh, The first thing I'd like to uh, discuss is uh, Joe Biden has uh, proposed an economic uh, pandemic stimulus package, uh, which of almost two trillion dollars, one point nine trillion, I believe. Uh, Today, uh, a group of 10 Republicans uh, proposed a package of about six hundred and thirty five billion, which is obviously only about a third as large as the uh, Biden proposal. Now, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, said yesterday on one of the Sunday morning talk shows uh, that he believes um, there is a uh, majority of 50 uh, Democratic senators uh, who favored the Biden stimulus program, a $1.9 trillion. I hope Senator Sanders is right about that because I need I think we need that big uh, a stimulus program. Uh, but I still wonder, uh, Joe Manchin, the Democratic senator from West Virginia, is still making noises about opposing the program. Uh, and if Manchin opposes the program, uh, we won't have the 50 votes for reconciliation um, or to pass the Biden package with the tie-breaking vote of uh, the vice president. Uh, so uh, what's happening on that front, I don't know. In fact, uh, yesterday, uh, Senator Manchin was very critical of an interview that the vice president gave to a West Virginia television station about the pandemic. So to me, that's not a good sign. Uh, But anyway, uh, Tara, tell us why we need, uh, why the nation needs uh, Joe Biden's stimulus program. Because we're in the middle of a the worst economic, I mean, the third Republican Great Depression in 100 years now. And of course, the, the pandemic, nobody could have predicted a pandemic, but they did absolutely nothing for the past four years except bullshit. You know, that was Trump's thing. He was a bullshit artist. Oh, 21 million Americans are going to be vaccinated by January 1st. That's what he said. But now we, we do know that there was absolutely no plan. There aren't enough vac- There's not enough vaccine because of him. He's supposed to be, and the, you know, they were supposed to be such great businessmen and business people and making deals and everything. But 
So, but we need a, a, a an actual plan, not like one that Republicans propose to put more money into the arms of people who will never spend it in a thousand lifetimes and beg for a trickle. And this is what Barack Obama did when we had to save, when the Democrats, this is what happens three, uh, every third, for the third time, we're cleaning up Republican economic mess. We're, and all they're good at is making the rich richer. So we actually need, and I think Joe Biden understands that, that we're at a point we need to uh, balance the scales a little. So not only fix, save the country from this economic crash, but also shore it up so another, another con man, another autocrat doesn't get hold of the system again. Because that, that is what allowed Trump to wiggle his way in into the fissures of disunity, as Henry Wallace wrote about in the New York Times. The, in a, you know, Vice President Henry Wallace wrote an article in the New York Times in the 40s about the dangers of American fascism. And he said they exploit the fissures of disunity. And that's the Republican agenda right there. So same thing with Barack Obama. When he had the stimulus package, he reached out to Republicans. We're always reaching out to the Republicans' bad ideas. They have bad ideas. It's about time we just do what's right and not what they want. We, you know you know what I mean? So that's what I think. Okay, uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark uh, let me ask you this question. Do you think uh, when all is said and done, uh, we are going to get the full $1.9 uh, uh, trillion Biden package or something short of that through Congress? I think they will get the full package. Um, I also just, I mean, I this, you're right. this doesn't indicate that it's definitely going to happen, but within the last 10 minutes, um, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi filed a joint budget resolution for the fiscal year 2021 that gives Congress the the reconciliation tool, basically, um, for Good. the plan, for the COVID plan. Now, that's not the final step, but I also think it basically shows that we're going to do this with you or not. So do you want to be part of this? Do you want to be on the record against this plan? Which is why people, uh, the main reason that people voted for Joe Biden, if you look at the number one issue, it was to have a better approach to the coronavirus pandemic. And that included both money for ramping up vaccinations, for helping state and local governments, which by the way, the Republican plan gives zero money to state and right. local governments, which are absolutely hemorrhaging uh, yeah. money right now and basically are being forced to lay off you know, firefighters, police officers. Yep. So that's what they're advocating for. That's what you, I think needs to yep. be talked about. That's what they're advocating for. That's not that's not something that's in their plan at all. There's zero money for that. Yep. There's less money right down the row. So unemployment, stimulus checks. Why is that a good idea when you need a bold plan? Even Jim Justice, the uh, Republican governor of yeah, West I Virginia, that. I found that very surprising. just said that. we need large-scale stimulus. So if Joe Manchin needs to hear it from the governor of his own state, you know maybe that's why Bernie Sanders. Yeah, it was a Republican. Maybe that's why. Yeah well, yeah. well, that's the thing. Republicans like a nice and desperate working class. So this is good for them. They like bread lines. Every time they get their greedy, grubby fingers around the neck of power, the country breaks out in bread lines. So this is, they like you nice and desperate and divided so yeah. they can 
continue to funnel more money and really ultimately over th- I mean, what we saw on January 6th is was coming for for generations yes. all every time they they complained about government government is the problem government small gov- when they talk about small government what they're really saying is democracy they don't it's that they hate democracy it's not that they don't they like government just fine as long as it works for them yeah. as long as it makes them rich look at but, trump's yeah. number one accomplishment it was the tax bill which they did mm-hmm. by the way through reconciliation That's right. and something like about the only major legislative accomplishment of the trump administration yeah. was to give tax breaks to rich people which That's notice right. by the way yeah. look at your taxes coming up people who anybody who does not make an unearthly you know un- otherworldly amount of money yeah. those quote-unquote breaks are rolling back starting this year so you're going to see the ones that were <laughs> kept permanent for the wealthy are yeah. now starting to roll back which they specifically did oh. after the 2020 election yeah. which yeah. you know people like tara have, were screaming from the rooftops i know you brought it up brad i've i've talked about it so so the proof is in the pudding. So we need to not make a mistake like that again right now when we have the opportunity. You know, those two Senate seats in Georgia, the Democrats fought like hell for and they promised to deliver on a bold package. And now is right. the opportunity to do so. Yep. So I, I hope that they do. Yes. Yeah, I do, too, because the country desperately needs it. And I like the way Tara put it. Uh, we need to rebalance the scales. Yes. Wealthy Americans got an incredibly generous uh, tax cut uh, while Donald Trump was president. And it's more than fair uh, that, uh, you know, working families get the same at or more. And this uh, goes to the most desperate working families, too. I mean, the, the way that the package is targeted, that's that's what it helps with. People literally, like Tara said, who are in bread lines. I mean, food pantries are running out of food. There's yeah. There's no other indicators you need to see. So mm-hmm. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, it uh, for today. Unfortunately, uh, we're running out of time. Uh, but I want to thank um, all our guests today. Uh, in the first half hour, we had Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, uh, to talk about Biden National Security Council. Uh, then in this segment with the provocative progressive political panel, uh, we were joined by Tara Devlin, uh, the host of the podcast Tara Buster, uh, and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. This is Brad Bannon. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay sane if you can while the pandemic rages uh, and the snowstorms, too, if you're in the Northeast. I'll be back next Monday, same bat time, same bat channel. Leslie's back tomorrow. Make sure you listen to her or there'll be big trouble. Thank you. Motor Trend presents the rubber-burning action of the all-new series Top Gear America. Dax Shepard, Rob Corddry, and motoring journalist and professional racer Jethro Bovington are pushing cars to their limit. So buckle up, because whether they're testing supercars or racing junkyard rescues, these hosts hold nothing back. On January 29th, join us for the joyride and stream the two-episode premiere of Top Gear America, available only on the Motor Trend app. Start your free trial today by going to motortrend.com slash TGA21. Motor Trend presents the rubber-burning action of the all-new series Top Gear America. Dax Shepard, Rob Corddry, and motoring journalist and professional racer Jethro Bovington are pushing cars to their limit. 
So buckle up, because whether they're testing supercars or racing junkyard rescues, these hosts hold nothing back. On January 29th, join us for the joyride and stream the two-episode premiere of Top Gear America, available only on the Motor Trend app. Start your free trial today by going to motortrend.com slash TGA21.